the word of God dealing with offense, breaking offenses off of people's lives and walking in freedom from offense. And if you've been here through that series, I hope that it's been something that's ministered to you and and brought some revelation and some light into your understanding around what the enemy tries to do concerning uh, keeping our hearts bound in offense because offense does not, it doesn't hurt the other person, it hurts us and it keeps us in bondage. And so we're going to continue with that uh, today, and we're going to get into uh, the area of forgiveness and and talking about uh, being able to confront someone with an area. Whenever we have an area that's going on, a situation that's going on between us and someone, how do we deal with that? If it's a a brother or sister in Christ, how do we deal with that? Because even in the family of God, there's different personalities, right? (laughs) We're not all the same. So we, we come at things a little differently. We have mindsets that are a little different sometimes. We are, we're raised from different backgrounds. And so sometimes we, we come into a little bit of conflict maybe with someone's personality. And, and many times it can be dealt with very easily if we just go and, and talk to our brother and sister in Christ. So we're going to get into how to do that this morning. And if you'll turn with me to the book of Matthew... The book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 21. And let's go ahead and, and pray over the word today. Father, we thank you so much for the understanding of your word. Father, without your word, we would be in bondage to so many things. But Lord, you give us your word so that we can be set free. You give us your word because in your word, there there is life and there is life in this spirit. So we thank you for, for giving that. We pray over that this morning, that even as the word goes forth, that your word would go forth with power, with might, Lord, doing exactly what it, what it was created to do, which is to uproot anything that the enemy has planted. Shake off anything, Father, that that the enemy has tried to attach us with. And Lord, instead, implant the word of God, which saves our soul. Lord, that we would become mature, not lacking anything. And we thank you, Father, for a wonderful group of people here today, that their desire in their heart is to grow in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On Wednesday, we talked a little bit about confronting the things in us. And if you missed that, go back and listen to our podcast because that was, uh, there was a lot of people really that came up afterwards and said, hey, that that really spoke to me, uh, just dealing with the, the things of the inner man, dealing with the things that are hidden in the heart that only you know, only you can see. Only, uh, you know, we can put a mask on and, and, and convince everybody else it's not there. But we know that it's in there because the Holy Spirit's in there digging. And he's in there, uh, you know, turning up the soil, so to speak, and showing us. And we're like, oh, no, and we're trying to cover it back up. <laughs> and, and he's like, no, deal with this, deal with this, so that it doesn't cause more of an issue later on. And so uh, I showed a little bit of a vi- video of, of Lisa Bevere, and, and I know many of you said that even that video uh, was, was very powerful, her testimony. And so if you missed 
any of that, go back and listen to that on the podcast because it'll set you free. But this morning, we want to go in the direction of how to deal with conflict with other people. So if you're there in Matthew 5, verse 21 is where we're going to start. It says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means Get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Now, I want you to notice in verse 23, it says that if your brother has something against you, if your brother has something against you, meaning if you've done something to your brother that he's holding against you, he has something against you because you've done something to cause him to have a, a hardness towards you. So keep that in mind. Keep your hands there. And now I want you to flip to Matthew 18. Now we're going to go back to the scripture I just read, but I want you to see something else very quickly here. Matthew 18, verse 15. It says, moreover, if your brother sins against you. So now we have what? Your brother sinning against you. So we have both scenarios. If you sin against your brother, if you cause offense to your brother, and this isn't, this isn't like your, your blood brother. This is your, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? The family of God. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church, If he refuses to even hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. And I'm going to stop right there. Now, you notice in both instances, whether you cause the, the, the offense or whether the brother causes the offense, who is God telling to go deal with the issue? If your brother sins against you, you go. And tell him, right? Go confront him. And in the other one, Matthew 5, it says, if your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go to him. So either way, whose responsibility is it? Mine. Yes. Mine. 
So just put your hand on your chest and say, it's my responsibility. So either way, if, it, if they've done the wrong, because many times what happens, well, they did this against me. I'm not going to go to them. I'm going to wait for them to say I'm sorry. I'm going to wait for them to approach me with the apology. And so God says, no, you make amends, because this isn't about who's right. This isn't about who's wrong. This is about reconciliation. This is about the love of God. This is about uh, us putting our differences aside and being able to, to work towards a reconciliation because we are the body of Christ. The Bible says that he will, you, they, the world will know his disciples, the disciples of Jesus. How? By the love that they have for one another. So, and of course, there's many divisions. It's what the enemy loves to do. There's many divisions in, in the church body today, in the church world today. It's terrible when church family slanders one another. That's horrible. Like, that's not something that we should ever do. That's not something we should ever be a part of. Even if something is different doctrinally, you let the Lord deal with that. But it, it's, it's about the love of God our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to restore and reconcile. So I just wanted to cover that first, that it's always our responsibility to go, to go and deal with it, to go and approach. Now, let's talk about how we do that. Let's talk about why we do that. Um, you notice in, in, flip back to Matthew 5, it's interesting because Jesus here, he starts with the Beatitudes on, on the mountain. He's going through and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so he's, he's saying this is how it is in heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And, and he's saying blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he's going through all of these things, how Christ has fulfilled the law. He talks about adultery in the heart. He talks about marriage. He talks about going the second mile, doing good to please. So he's talking about all these kingdom principles. So we have to understand what he's giving us here is God's principle. Not the world's ways, not the world's principles. So whenever we read this, we have to understand that he's handing us the, the, the godly way of dealing with things. And he says, now you've heard it in old that you're not to murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But he goes a little further. It's kind of like... Uh, in a few scriptures down, when he talks about adultery in the heart, he says, yeah, in the law, if, if a, a man or a woman uh, commits adultery, then they're in danger of judgment. But he says, but I tell you, if a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery. Why? Because it starts in the heart. It doesn't happen... It, the, the first and foremost part of it isn't happening whenever the, the act happens. It starts in the heart. It starts with the seed of beginning to think a certain way in the heart. And, of course, a couple weeks ago I, I explained that the heart is the, the, like the soul. It's interchangeable in the word of God. So heart and soul, the mind, the will, emotions, the, the uh, affections, what you put your affections upon, the, uh, the way of thinking, that is the heart, that is the soul. So what we think about and what we allow in our heart takes root if we don't dig it up and cast it out. 
So we have to guard our heart, the Bible says, with all diligence, for out of it flows the, the wellspring of life. Everything flows. The virtues of life flow out of our heart. So we've got to guard it. Now, backing up again, Jesus says, he says, yeah, you say if you murder, then you're in danger uh, of the judgment. But he says, I tell you that if you're angry with your brother, then you'll be in danger of judgment. If you're angry with your brother. Now that word there, it, it's actually toxic, talking about the original word is a fixed or settled anger that is fueled with vengeance or passion. So I'm not talking about something just happening and, and in the moment you're like, oh, that was frustrating. Because the Bible says to be angry and sin not, right? So anger itself is not a sin, but it's what you do with it. It's how you handle it. But if you allow it to stay and be angry and continue to be fixated on it, continue to think about it, continue to dwell on it, continue to allow it to take root, and then it begins to spring up in bitterness, that is sin. So we can't allow it to stay, which means what? We've got to deal with it immediately, right? We've either got to uh, uproot it immediately and we've got to deal with it, or we've got to go to our brother and sister and, and begin to talk about it to make sure that things are restored. There are some things that, that you might get frustrated over, and you know that it was you just having a bad day. And, you know, you don't need to go to your brother and sister over everything. You understand? If you have a, an anger issue and you know that it's you, then you don't need to go talk to them all the time. And, and well, I have another problem. I have another problem. I have another problem. <laughs> you might need to look at yourself and say, okay, I, I'm the one that needs to deal with this anger. I'm the one. I realized I lost my temper or I did this. I've got to make sure that I'm taking care of this. There was no reason for me to respond that way or to react that way. I was out of line. So you might need to go apologize but you don't need to go confront someone every single time, so just understanding that. But if there's an issue that continues to stay in the heart and it's not getting resolved with your, with your brother or sister in Christ, then you need to go talk to them. It needs to be dealt with immediately. Why? Because it begins to take root. And the Bible says that you're not to al allow that to be uh, continue to take root and get fueled by passion. How many of you know that the more we think about something, the more we sit there and dwell on it? Man, we can, we can turn a good day into a bad real quick, can't we? We can turn a, a, a good attitude into all of a sudden a rotten attitude if we just think about something long enough and how that person said this, did this, uh, committed this, you know, whatever, said something about me and that was hurtful, did this to me and it was wrong. And, and that may very well be true. But the, the word of God says that we have to forgive. It is a requirement and maybe I jumped there a little too early and you're like whoa let's let's work into that first really it's a requirement I have to forgive if you want to walk as Jesus walked you have to forgive it is a requirement because the Bible says that if you do not forgive your brother from your heart then the Heavenly Father won't forgive you so that's a problem entering heaven, correct? 
Because if we're no longer forgiven and we're no longer under the blood of Jesus Christ, then it's a problem with the, the entrance into heaven. So we've got to walk a walk of forgiveness. We have to walk as Christ. That's the whole purpose. Jesus Christ came to earth. Was his life was commissioned for the cross and for the resurrection so that what? We could be reconciled back to God. So what are we to do? We're to walk as Jesus walked. We're to be reconciled not only with Christ, but we're to reconcile others back to Christ. Well, how are we doing that if we're causing more of a division and we're creating issues in our brother and sister's hearts that are causing division and hardness? So God's not looking at everything as you're right, as in you're right. He's looking at the blood of Jesus Christ, and are you promoting that? So he's really making a point here. He's saying, he's saying no, it's not just about uh, murdering. He says, if you even think in your heart and get angry in your heart and keep that there, then you're in danger of judgment. And he goes on and says, if you, if you say raka, which means in, in, in the, those terms, it would be us calling someone stupid or empty-headed. So, and then he goes on and he says, or if you call them you fool, because in the Bible, you fool was anybody that God called a fool was someone that was going against the things of God. They were rebelling against the wisdom of God. And so he's saying, no, it's not just about murder. It's about what you hold in your heart. It's about how you're treating one another, how, how you respond to each other. So he says, even this is in danger of the judgment. So he's calling us to a higher standard. And, you're, and you might be thinking, well, man, that's a lot harder. And I thought the, the New Testament was a better covenant. I thought it was supposed to be easier because we have Jesus. And Jesus, uh, you know, gave his blood and we're forgiven. And it's supposed to be easier, right? The thing is, when Jesus died on the cross and he was resurrected, he gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gives us this thing called grace to live by that empowers you to live for God and to live like Christ lived. So that grace comes upon you to do what you can't do in yourself. So it says his love was shed abroad in our hearts. So from the time that we get saved, his love is shed abroad in our hearts. Now, this love is not the world's type of love. See, there's four kinds of love. And these, these types are listed in the Bible. But the other three are all worldly types of love. Uh, uh, love for... Like a, a man or a woman would love each other sexually, that's one. Another is a brotherly love. And then another is the love that a parent and a child would have for uh, each other or for their family. But the fourth one is the agape love. The agape kind of love only comes from God. See, it's not mentioned for the world. And in fact, God never says anything about the agape kind of love for the world to exercise by because they don't have it. So when we get saved, his love is shed abroad in our hearts. That means his love is given to us. 
The very love that Christ has for you, the very love that sent Jesus, the very love that sent his son so that he could give up his life so that you could be washed clean, that's what's given to you in your heart. So don't tell me that it's impossible. Don't tell me that you can't forgive because God gave you the ability. And here's the problem. Many times we walk walk around saying, well, that's hard. That's hard. That's impossible. There's no way because of of what that person did to me. And I understand that there's difficult cases. And there are some things that were very wrongly done to me. Going to things, we're not allowing the Lord to deal with it. When it comes to conflict... Well, let me, let me cover this since I'm on it. Forgiveness does not mean that the person was right. It just means that you're seeking reconciliation and walking in the ways of God. Forgiveness is a choice. These are important concepts because these are things that, that the enemy tries to play in our mind. And this is, these are reasons why many people don't forgive. They may try to forgive, but I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I still don't feel it. I still don't feel forgiveness. See, the thing is, forgiveness isn't a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. How many of you have ever not felt like doing something, but you did it anyway because you know that it was right? It was the right thing to do? Okay. Well, you didn't feel, maybe some of you didn't necessarily feel like getting up this morning to come to church, but you, you knew that it was what God wanted you to do. You knew that it was, uh, you know, it was going to make you feel better, and it was something that you needed to do. Well, so you went against what? The flesh of wanting to stay in bed and that nice cozy pillow and those blankets. And and, and you're like, no, I'm going to do this. I know it's the right thing to do. I'm going to treat this person right because it's the right thing to do. And you do something right because it's the right thing to do, right? Not because you felt like it. See, the enemy tries to play this game that if we don't feel it, then it's not, then it's not real. See, our feelings are attached to to the earthly, soulish realm. Our feelings are all based upon what our flesh is desiring and wanting. Those things will pass away. And someday, we're going to be in eternity with God. And those junk feelings that we have, those fleshly feelings, we're not going to have those fleshly feelings. We're going to be in the glory of God, only feeling the perfection of God, only feeling his love, only feeling the goodness of him. So we have to fight against that and understand that just because I'm not feeling something doesn't mean that I'm not walking out forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. You choose to do it because it's the right thing to do. It's what God wants you to do. The hurt may still need to be worked through. You may, that may be a process. That might be something that you still have to work through. And you might need to pray that the Lord reveals certain things to you and helps you th- through certain processes. Forgiveness doesn't, 
mean forgetting. Have you ever heard that? Well, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. Well, the concept is, you know, we don't bring it back up. Love keeps no record of wrongs. But it doesn't mean that it's erased from your memory, okay? <laughs> I think that sometimes people get that in their head. Like, well, I still remember, so I must not have forgiven. No, we have brains, and, and in our brains are stored memories. It just means love keeps no record of wrongs. We don't bring it back up over and over and over once it's been reconciled, once we've already went through things. Now, let me, let me explain to you, too, that forgiveness is not the same thing as, as reconciliation or restoration, those are three different things, and this is also another reason why people don't forgive many times. Because forgiveness has to do with what's been done in the past. This was the wrong that was committed. I forgive for that. But reconciliation has to do with where do we go from this point forward. And sometimes there has to be some different boundaries laid down. Sometimes there has to be some things that need to change. Forgiveness does not mean trust. Forgiveness does not mean you go back into the same relationship necessarily. There are some things that happen that it's not healthy to go back to that thing. And God's not expecting you to. Now, there are so many dynamics. You, you, you have to understand that this is not just a, uh, you can't just throw a blanket on everything and say it's all the same. There are so many different situations and dynamics that you really have to hear from the Holy Spirit to know exactly how to process these things for you and your situation. So you have to know what God is telling you to do. If you watch the, the clip of, Lisa Bevere on Wednesday, if you were here, she briefly, she said that in dealing with her anger, she, she first had to own up to it. She had to recognize it. It wasn't everybody else's fault. It wasn't everybody else's problem. It was her. She had to deal with it. So when she owned up to it, God said, okay, now I can help you with this. Because she wasn't trying to justify it and make excuses for it and blame it on everybody else. Once she got to that point, and she asked God for forgiveness. Well, then that moment of forgiveness came. He forgave her. So forgiveness entered into her, into her life. But then God said, I want you to call your mom. Because there's been something that you've been hiding in your heart all this time that you've not forgiven her for. And she's like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to make that phone call. And God's like, do it. You need to call your mom and let her know that you forgive her for this certain thing that happened many years ago. And so she did. And then that brought reconciliation to their relationship. But then God said, now you need to tell your husband. You need to expose this to your husband. You need to let him know what happened. And when she did that, it brought accountability to her. So in that, there were three different steps. There were three different things that happened. Forgiveness came whenever she asked God for forgiveness. But reconciliation came when she called her mom. And then that relationship began a healing process where it changed things in their, in their whole family tree. 
So that was reconciliation. And accountability came whenever she told her husband. So there were different things that happened with each step. There were things that, that came came to be with each thing that God told her to do. That's why I'm saying you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You can't just say, well, I said I was sorry. That was it. Because there might be healing that needs to happen. There might be reconciliation that needs to happen in you. And we'll get into a little bit more of that tonight. We'll talk about reconciliation. We'll talk about boundaries. We'll talk about the, the process of, of how we do this in a way that's, that's healthy, where we may not need to walk back into a, the same thing again. And I think that's th the thing. Many times we think forgiveness means that I have to walk right back into a, a bad situation, a bad placement. I'm setting myself up again to be hurt again. There may be other things that you need to put in place, and I don't have time to go into that this morning, so I encourage you to come back tonight. We're going to get into that tonight because it really completes the picture of the process of forgiveness and living a life of wholeness, living a life of freedom. Because it's, it's not about just throwing yourself out to be a doormat, but it is about living a life of complete freedom in God where you're not harboring bitterness and you're not harboring unforgiveness, but you're also setting things up in a way that is, is protection for you, your family, your loved ones. Minister, can you go ahead and come to the keyboard? So forgiveness really is about extending the agape love of God. Like I said, it doesn't mean that someone else is right. And then there are times that, that we're not right and we need to make things right. Asking God for forgiveness when we've wronged somebody is not enough. If it's within your power to go and talk to them and ask for forgiveness, you need to do it. Because that's what humbleness is. That's what the love of God is. And that's the only way that you'll bring total restoration into that. Because if we just say, well, I, I asked God for forgiveness. Okay, well, it wasn't God that you cussed out. It wasn't God that, that you hurt. I mean, yes, it, it does hurt him whenever you treat one of his sons and daughters in the wrong way. But the wrong wasn't done intentionally to God. It was to someone else. So in order to walk as Christ walked, we owe that person an apology. We owe that person restitution, making things right. Because it's part of what God does. It's part of the love. God did that for us even when Christ knew no sin. He didn't know sin. But he took it all upon him and extended his love and forgiveness towards us. He paid the debt for us. All the sin that we committed, he took all of that debt and paid it for us. 
over 2,000 years ago. See, that forgiveness happened on the cross. But we weren't reconciled to him until we came to the point of realizing that and asked for his forgiveness, and then we were reconciled. See, forgiveness happened on the cross, but reconciliation didn't happen until we got saved. Because it wasn't until that point that we were reconciled back to Christ. We had to receive the gift. It was already paid, but we had to receive it. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.